0: I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was gonna die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, today I want to welcome Bruce Weinstein. He is the plan man. He is a problem solver focusing on the insurance and wealth building space. He brings 35 plus years of experience to any platform and is ready to bring a plan to your podcast. Well he's bringing a plan to Leaders and Legacies today. Bruce, welcome. Thanks Craig, happy to be here. Good good yuntiv.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. That's an inside joke everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the um so uh, you live down in Florida, you're from New York and you help people put together financial plans and give us like the, you know, just quick snippet who you help and how you help them. Sure. So I, I started at Merrill Lynch in
1: 1986 and back then a stockbroker was a stockbroker. They weren't financial planners and the evolution of the space Started to morph into the 90s and to the 2000s of financial planners. You've heard about certified financial planners, and they were kind of off to the side. And it, eventually, I think the brokerage industry realized that there's a better way to skin the cat. And so my career evolved from just being a stock jockey, you know, selling stocks and bonds and mutual funds to being more. Uh, advisory and planning oriented and addressing the insurance risk side as well as the investment side. And then the whole key with the planner, as you're saying, you know, why the plan man and what the plan man's about is, you know, it's the Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. And so everybody has a journey. Everybody has goals and objectives. And so if you don't start putting that down and mapping it out, well, how do you know you're going to get there? How do you know you're going to get there on time? How do you know you're going to have enough money when you get there? Because whether you like it or not, you're going to get there, right? If if you live healthy enough, you know you're going to get to a point in in time where okay, <laughs> here I am. And so, what if you get there and you don't have enough money? Yeah, yeah. And then of course, in the journey again, I'm I'm paraphrasing this, uh, short circuiting it. But you know, throughout the journey, there's roadblocks, there's obstacles, there's potholes. And so if you got disabled, if your spouse passed away, if you passed away, like so the risk management on the insurance side of things, if I'm disabled, how am I supposed to pay my bills now? How am I supposed to feed myself? If I lose my spouse, how do I keep paying the mortgage and put the kids through college? So you know, the risk management of the insurance side, as well as the investments, investments aren't any good if you didn't have health insurance and all of a sudden you got a million dollar bill, you can't pay. Because you decided not to get health insurance. So, you know, all these pieces go together. It's a big puzzle, Craig. And so my job is to help put that puzzle together and show people where their blind spots are and give them the, well, this is where you're heading conversation.
0: Well, and, and you mentioned the, you know, the million-dollar insurance bill. I mean, I, I imagine there's people listening that think that's just, you know, I'll never have that. Well, you know, I was in the hospital two years ago. For three months, and my medical bills clocked in just below two million.
1: Yeah, I I teed it up. I didn't know if you wanted to share that, and if you had, but I, I keenly aware of what you went through, I figured you'd throw it back. But yeah, two million bucks, and you probably walked away with relatively minimal exposure with your health insurance, assuming you had health insurance, and you just pretty much paid your maximum out of pocket for those years, and that was it. And the majority of the bill, true, got covered, or no, you didn't have insurance. Yeah, <laughs> the majority, no, I had- be better I, if you didn't. We could really have a, a bad story to tell people, but you had insurance, I hope.
0: Yeah, no, I actually had um, you know a legacy plan, a pre-Obamacare plan, uh-huh. uh, really, really good plan. Uh, it used to cost me 100 bucks a month, that went up. And um, best money but, ever.
1: Best money ever spent, though.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and, yeah. you, and you know, it's an interesting reality. Um, in my lifetime, I will never spend more on insurance premiums than I've already received in, in benefits. Yeah, I mean, um,
1: that's a bell. Like, yeah, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, and it's you're, I mean, you're it, ahead. You're ahead of the game. Well, that's one way of looking at it. Well, you're here. You're still here. So thank God for that. Right. But, but, you know,
1: I mean, the, the point simply was it's not going to happen to me. Right. You didn't expect it going in. You know, people don't realize that their levels of apathy and omnipotence, it, it things could happen to anybody. I, I, I came up with this word at one of my networking groups. You, you know, the word accident. I came up with the word intended. So instead of an accident, an accident, something, right. I didn't, I didn't plan on that. It was an accident. Well, how about an intended it? I didn't intend to get sick. I didn't intend to die. I didn't intend to have that accident, like intended it. So I got to trademark it, but like I, I didn't get in my car today and go to the gym intending to have an accident. I didn't intend to pull the tendon in my bicep, lifting a weight that now needs surgery. Right. So, you know, stuff happens. And so, Insurance is risk management. And so, what I like to make sure people understand is you're paying a third party to assume a financial obligation because you don't have the money and you don't want to pay for that exposure. So, you eliminate the exposure by buying insurance, whether it's health insurance, motorcycle insurance, disability, life, whatever it is. Like every insurance is basically saying, Hey, Craig, you cover me if something happens. Yeah. And and then what's going on right now, I'll kind of pivot into the uh, South Florida market and other markets, California, hurricanes are destroying the viability of insurance companies down here. Seven carriers have left the market. Our homeowners insurance has literally doubled. Seven carriers left. So there's a vacuum now because folks, what I want you to understand, the reason I'm I'm going down this path is there's a reason your rates have gone up. And it's a couple of different factors. One, competition left. Two, the existing carriers remaining don't necessarily have enough bandwidth that they want to take on more risk. And they're being basically told, hey, you got to pick up another 100,000 houses. Well, we don't want the risk of another $100,000 houses. Our balance sheet can't support it. So we need to raise capital because insurance is a pool of everybody else's money that's managed by the insurance companies hoping to make a little return if, I, if you got a billion dollars of premiums, you can cover a billion dollars of risk. They want to invest the billion dollars, make seven, eight, 10%. And then if they have to give the billion back, they keep the spread. That's how they make their money. It's just playing with the bigger pool of money and they invest it modestly. Okay. So when the hurricane comes through and now they have $2 billion of losses and there's a billion dollars in the pot, what happens? Well, they can't pay everybody. Right. And so then the FEMA gets involved, federal emergency right? And, you know, so it's just this whole thing. So now here's a hurricane that just came through here a couple of months ago. We had a hurricane last year, rates took off. Was there enough money in the pot for this year's hurricane? What happens if a hurricane hits again in in three weeks? Who's filling in that? And, you know, Florida is so big, it's, you know, six, eight hours from top to bottom to drive it. So hurricane can hit, hit the keys. Then it could come over to Tampa Bay. It could come over to Jacksonville, could hit, you know, me in, in, in the, where do I live? <laughs> Delray, Palm—you know, Palm Beach County, right? Just uh, you know, Miami. So the hurricane can hit Naples on the way. So the, the storms can hit different pockets of Florida. It's just not the same community, and that's been the problem. They they move around. They hit the islands in the Caribbean. You know, they just wipe these islands out. So you know, people have to understand what's driving the costs and the risks that are involved. So I'm I'm going bigger picture with homeowners because everybody pretty much you know, has to have it at some point, right?
0: Well, let, let's let's talk a little bit about Medicare because right now, as we're speaking, my wife is at the hospital uh, with a friend who's on Medicare. All right. And he um, he had just retired. He was walking around living life and um, he fell and broke both of his hips and his shoulder. Wow. And I was okay. looking at six months of recovery. Mm-hmm. And Medicare would cover like 23 days in the hospital. Then he had supplemental that would cover like another 10. I may be getting the dates wrong, but no, no,
1: you're, you're, you're in alignment there. Go ahead.
0: And where it came out was, okay, well, there's another five months of recovery. This guy right. needs.
1: So that's long-term care. That's, that's totally different and not what's covered by Medicare. Medicare is going to cover hospitalization, doctor treatments, procedures. Okay. And then prescription drugs, you know, has coverage there as well. So not to go down the rabbit hole, but there's different types of Medicare plans with different levels of coverages, but Medicare as a whole is not going to take care of six months of rehab for a stroke victim, or in this guy's case, broken hips. He's got to go to rehab. He's got to be in a nursing home or assisted living for a while till he's back on his feet. I mean, both hips, it's, you know, you're going to be wheelchair bound or whatever, but, the, the policy, the, the Medicare sub plan is going to basically stop covering him in 100 days or less. So, yeah. and, and it's not 100% coverage. It, basically, it's 20 days. And then it goes to a co- copay where you pay some, they pay some up to 100 days. And then after 100 days, that's it. Well, that's three months. But that's why we do long-term care counseling with clients of, okay, and that's only because this guy had an accident. What if this was permanent?
0: Well, and that's the thing where the, this really scared me because I'm looking back at my own situation. And, and for those that don't know, it's it, I talk about it for always, so it's hard to imagine this. But, you know, three uh, two years ago, I went in the hospital with COVID and that turned into a three-month stay. And when I left the hospital, I was in a wheelchair uh, for another, you know, another three months. I mean, I could get up and walk short distances, but... Um, it was it was 3 months well before i could go into the grocery store without the wheelchair hmm. was probably 4 at least 4 months and you know i had health you know i had health insurance which covered all that and we had the sort of the usual dance where you know when when i left the hospital in austin i had to go down to san antonio because they couldn't find a LTAC long, you know, uh, a longer term, you know, acute care, um, hospital Absolutely. in Austin that would take my insurance. We still had that dance, but at least from my perspective, I was like, you know, my three months in the hospital except for the first 5,000 was covered by insurance.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: was a couple million dollars. I paid 5,000. Right. Um, but then I see this with this friend and it's terrifying because I'm like, Holy cow, I thought when you get to 65, you know, all that crappy Medicare tax that you've been paying over the years would cover all this stuff. And it sounds like it doesn't. Oh, Again, it, it,
1: there's, there's the drop-off point where the bridge ends, and now you need something else. And so that's where people don't understand that Medicare is not going to cover nursing homes and long-term rehabilitation facilities. So, yeah, that's why you counsel people of... Hey, this is why we talk about long-term care insurance. Again, he had an accident, he fell. It's it's not hopefully again, I don't know the guy's financial situation, but he he's gonna have three months of participated coverage and then it's gonna stop. I don't know, I don't know that this year's particular numbers, but you know, they they might cover up to like make him pay two hundred dollars a day and they'll pay everything above the two hundred dollars a day. Whatever we can Google it and find out the exact number. But so He's, he's got co-insurance. He's going to p- be patient responsible for a certain amount of money for so many days. But at, at day 101, that coverage stops. They don't pick up anything at that point. And then if you had a long-term care policy, then that would kick in. But I want to go back to what you said when, when you had this two years of rehabilitation and uh, you know struggling in the wheelchair. and And th- so your medical bills got paid, but let's tie in another type of insurance, and that's disability. What'd you do for income? You're in a hospital, you're in a coma. Did you have a job? Did you work? Were you self-employed? Do you have passive income? Like, and I'm not saying you specifically, I'm not trying to get into your your affairs, but you know, to the listener out there in your audience, this guy had a two-year ordeal of physical health challenges, comas, and the like. He's not drawing a paycheck. If he's working for IBM, IBM's putting him on medical leave. He's got to get maybe disability. He's going to like if he's making one hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year. Nobody's paying him two hundred thousand dollars a year while he's sitting in the hospital. That that that's that's gone. You got short term. You maybe get a month, three months, no more than six months, and then you're kicked onto long term disability by the Fed. That's like a Social Security check. Yeah. So that's why we talk about disability income insurance because if you're self employed and you can't work, if I'm a if I'm a surgeon, if I'm a dentist, I can't use my hand anymore. How am I making my living? Dentist makes five hundred thousand, a million dollars a year, and now he can't do his, see his patients because his left hand doesn't work anymore. What's he going to do? So, yeah. your self-employed dentists, doctors, you know, surgeons, especially, you know, they're going to cover those hands. They're going to, you know, you got the shakes all of a sudden because you got early onset of Parkinson's. You got to retire at fifty. You better have disability insurance. So, again, it's you. You see where I'm going? Is there's so many different components of insurance that people are just not necessarily in tune to or realizing oh gee, what happens if that happens to me And that's what we're trying to make sure we're you said you know the planning is well what if what if what if? And then of course it's a
0: budgetary concern of like well how do I pay for all that? Yeah and, and I'll tell you to the in terms of the disability, the first couple of weeks after I woke up from the coma, um, I can tell you I wasn't thinking right. And even that, even after that, it took some time sure. um, to get better. And when I left the hospital, all the way up until the day I left the hospital, I had the shakes severely, and I was like, you know, I type a lot, you know, as part of my job. And I thought, well, at least there I can do voice dictation. Now, it turns out, with some drug they had me on, and when I left the hospital, that drug went away, the shakes went away. But what if my what well, if my brain didn't come back online? And that yep. that was a serious question. I mean, sure. the doctors were telling my wife, um, "He may not be right in the head. You may not get the same man back that that you dropped off at the hospital."
1: Yeah, pretty scary.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I make money based on what I think and my ability to you know mentally process things. Uh, thank God I wasn't uh, a, a tradesman you know, Mm -hmm. I, uh, there, there's no way I could have returned to work, you know, and as it was when I did return to work, um, I came back to work. So I I got out of the hospital, November 6th, 2021, January 3rd, 2022, I went back to work and my work day looked like this. I get up, eat breakfast, take a nap, work for a couple (laughs) hours, take a nap, work a couple more hours, take another nap. And you know, and I have to admit, I think I took a nap today. Uh, but that's more rare. It was a shorter <laughs> nap. Uh, but you make, the, you're making people jealous. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, yeah. who and, wouldn't like to wake up, have
1: breakfast, and go and take a nap? I, I love that. That's my Sundays. <laughs>
0: uh, I tell you what, I'll uh, I'll I'll trade my nap for their body. Absolutely. Um, no, I'm teasing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. So the um, I I just I know from me this you know what you did has become very real to me in the last two years first through my own experience Mm. and then second through watching this friend who you know he made it across the finish line he made it to retirement and and like you know literally within within three months six months of retiring he has an accident falls down needs six months of rehab and that's And all of a sudden I start discovering
1: it's going to cost them.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the, the rehab
1: facility, like going to see a physical therapist, something like that, uh, you know, probably would be covered. But if he's in a facility, he can't go home anymore. He's got to be on property somewhere or he needs round the clock treatment at home or care at home because he can't bathe and go to the toilet and, you know, cook for himself because of that. Well, th- these are the different terminologies that you hear about is home health care and assisted living. And, you know, so he's not chronic. He- he's not a dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's person that's going to need it for the rest of his life. But at the same time, Medicare is not covering that window once it's past that 100 days. Now, he keeps going to see his doctor. He needs another procedure. Uh, they got to go in and-, and fix the hip. That's going to be covered under his Medicare. That's medical treatment, but being in a home of some kind, an institution. Uh, uh, our friend's mother's in a memory care unit. You know her her memory's, You know, slipping. She can't be on her own. She wakes up screaming in the middle of the night. She doesn't know where she is, and you know she's in a in a, a a group home type setting. So it's not as institutional feeling, but that's that's not covered by Medicare. Now, if she's got no money and goes to Medicaid, another, you know, donut hole, we could go down. But, um, you know, the, the two daughters are paying the mother's care, like her social security check goes towards that and they make up the difference. Yeah. And that's a family decision. Now, why didn't they ever buy long term care 20 years ago? Uh, nobody talked to them about it or if she had it, you know, it it, it ran out. Who knows? But. I don't think they have it, but you know, this is an 89 year old woman. So she would have had to have been counseled close to 30 years ago. So that's what 1993 I started doing. I started doing long-term care counseling in 94, 95. So it was definitely being talked about. Yeah. And those well, progr- and those programs have changed just to put a, a cherry on top here. Uh, and I've gotten very expensive. So for somebody who's 70 now thinking about it, it's going to be really expensive. You've got to be addressing this in your fifties and it's still expensive because the costs have just exploded. Yeah. It's, it's two, $300,000 a year sometimes for these places. So it's no joke how expensive they got. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. Well, you know, kind of going back to my, my scenario, the, you know, when I woke up, um, You know, I was out for six weeks, and when I woke up, um, brain was fogged for another two weeks, and then my wife started filling me in on what what had been going on in the world. And I learned that my team had stepped up and ran the business without me. And and freelancers kind of came in and and, um, reached out to my team and said, hey, we'll do whatever it takes, whatever's needed, as long as Craig's in the hospital. And so that's kind of the inspiration for this this podcast is leaders and legacies. You know, it was my realization that I'd made an impact beyond myself. Mm -hmm. You know, and so as you're counseling people, let's take a couple minutes and talk about leadership. What does leadership look like in the area of financial planning? uh,
1: Well, I'm 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 the shepherd, I'm the leader. Like a lot of people. Don't know what to do. They don't know what to ask. They have a general sense of things. Unfortunately, a lot of them get a lot of disinformation or bad information. Oh, I I heard from, oh so and so told me I thought it was, and and they're some way most more times than not way off target, way off base. Like that's not how that works. Oh, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I'm, I'm just started my. Th- I just finished my 37th year. So now I'm okay. clocking in the 38th year. So I started 86. And I think for me, the, the conviction is I, I I know I know my game. I I come across with confidence and conviction. I'm a strong educator. I really lay it out so people can understand what it's all about. Why don't people do things, Craig? Is they they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to ask questions because they might look foolish or stupid. And so they kind of sit back and do nothing because they don't want to raise their hand. They don't want to ask a silly question. And at the end of the day, they won't tell me or somebody, they'll tell me because I push, (laughs) but they won't say like, I don't get it. I don't understand that. I'm not doing it because. So I try and make sure that I'm strong with the education of, let me tell you how this works. I put them at ease of there's no bad questions and I really drive in like are you getting this before we make a decision and so the reason I get people to quote unquote sign on the dotted line sign on the dotted line is they understand it and now they're comfortable making the decision and they don't feel like they're making a mistake and so all too often people don't move forward in fear of making that mistake and so you go back to leadership in your question well i'm leading from confidence i'm leading from conviction i'm leading in demonstration so that when they're sitting in front of me and they we've spent hours and and you know trust me i say this depending on what we're doing it's months of counseling it's weeks of counseling it's hours and hours of counseling it's really getting into if we're doing a comprehensive financial plan for somebody it's not done overnight okay you need health insurance i mean that's that's an hour conversation but you know if we're really getting into the full blown financial plan what are we doing for the next you know 50 years of your life type of thing that's weeks and months on end of conversation Because there's homework that has to be done. There's information that's got to be gathered. There's things you and your spouse need to really think about and dig into and budgets and a million things. So at the end of the day, uh, during all of that process, I'm demonstrating my competency. I'm demonstrating that leadership that you're talking to. And so when it's time to start moving and implementing, well, the decisions are already there because we've been building and building and building the trust and the guidance that it's like, well, now you see why we're doing this. Because it's all about you. I'm listening, right? Two ears, one, one mouth. As yeah. talkative as I am, I listen. And I say, am I correct in what you're saying? Is this really what you wanted? What about this? Have you thought about it this way? Did you ever think you could do this? And so I'm a mudslinger in the sense of, let's throw mud on the wall and see what sticks. And so the planning, look, the, the I say this time and time again. All a financial plan does is show you the direction and the end of where you're heading right now with all the facts we know today. If you don't like where that ending spot is, now's the day you could start to fix it. You can't go back six years ago. You can't say, oh, I wish I bought Microsoft and Apple in 1985. Like you you can only deal with, you know, today, September 25th, right? So from September 25th, moving forward, I can make changes and influence that change today. I can't cry about what happened. I can yeah. only fix from today. And so if you don't have a plan, the plan is your GPS, the plan is your Garmin. The plan is that Waze it, you plug in. I need to get from you just said you you went from Maryland, you know, back to Texas. How many hour drive is that? You have rain, you have flooding, you have detours, you have uh uh potholes, football, football games and traffic. So, you know, the Garmin's rerouting you constantly. Well, that's your financial plan, isn't it? Your financial plan has to constantly be rerouted. Market just dropped ten percent. Market just went up ten percent. Reroute, reroute. Another year. Another year went by. Can I still retire at the age that I had designated? I want to retire at sixty-two. Market dropped thirty percent. Reroute,
0: reroute. And what would you say about the you know for for your clients that need to take action? What would leadership look like for them?
1: How do you mean i'm not sure i understand that
0: well so it kind of coming back to the 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 whole thing of making an impact beyond yourself and if i look at my own situation um you know there's um i'm i'm kind of thankful that i lived uh because there were a few things where i hadn't a few things i didn't have in order right for my wife to pick up and go on with her life and Mm. I mean, I'm 56 years old. I didn't plan to die. You know, this was two years ago. I didn't plan to die at age 54. Right. That's almost what happened. Yeah. And you. so, you know, treat me as your, your your client saying, Craig, you talk about leaders and legacies. Here's from a financial standpoint, here's where you should be taking more of a leadership role in your family.
1: Well, it. it so I, I think if I'm understanding it is one I'm just your co-pilot. I'm your navigator. This is your football team. I'm the coordinator. Right. So throwing those different analogies out. So it's your plane. I'm, I'm, I'm the navigator. You're still the pilot. You're on the ship. I'm the navigator. You're still the pilot. So, you know, you get to make those final decisions, but what does the navigator do? The navigator's charting out a safe journey, right? It's, it's, Delivering for you to avoid the storm, the pitfalls, the the things that are going to be damaging or delaying your trip. Now it's up to you as as the commander of the ship, right? If the owner of the ship and and the football team is you got to make the call. You got to send in that play. You got to decide this is what you're going to do. So all I can do is empower you as the client to make that decision. And then as a couple, if it's a couple, uh, give them the forum to deliberate and ask the questions. And I can't tell you all the years, Craig, how many times the two spouses were not on the same page. Mm-hmm. Their wants were different, their desires and needs. And it was like, oh, let me, let me get my psychologist hat on and and play therapist now, because now you're like, she's saying this and he's saying that. And I don't want to go to Florida. Well, that's where I said I was going to go. The kids are going to be there. If my my mother's down there and I don't want to be about your mother. And, uh, and they're fighting. Yeah. Cause it's about money. <laughs> right. So, so now, you know, so I play referee, you know, you do, you do a lot of things in in there. So, you know, the, the managing the money, what I'm basically doing is managing expectations. Probably the biggest thing that I do is setting and managing expectations. Cause you know what you and I have zero control of what's going to happen to the stock market. Zero. Right. So if, if your money, your investments, your retirement is geared towards a stock market, portfolio strategy, you know, versus real estate or whatever else. But, you know, whatever you're putting your money into, uh, you know, you don't really have you have history, but, you know, as the disclaimer says, past performance no indication of future performance. So just because it made 10% doesn't mean it's going to keep making 10%, right? right? So that's that's a CYA for the industry. So you know, all I can do is manage expectations, tell them, look, all things end badly. Otherwise, they're not going to end. At some point, the market's going to have another correction because we've already had five in my career. And I'm sure six and seven are going to be out there if I live long enough. And so there's no date circled on the calendar that says, hey, Craig, let's crash the market today at 2 p.m.
0: And everybody can prepare for it.
1: <laughs> it doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> so, well, in two years ago, least,
1: yeah.
0: And two yeah. years ago for me, uh, 54 years old, in good health no expectation of pending death and that all flipped that all flipped in in 20 23 days mm-hmm. 23 days i went from swimming in lake austin with my grandkids hiking up you know and i live in the hill country we have hills here it's not colorado but you know it's a strenuous workout uh hiking the hills in my backyard down to the lake and swimming with my grandkids. And 23 days later, they told my wife that I was going to die. That's not planned. That's life. Yeah.
1: Man so. planning God's laughs, right? Man planning God's la- God laughs. So it, 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 you know, the questions I could throw back to you is how have you lived your life differently? What have you done now that you've had that tragic situation happen? And then unfortunately, as you said earlier, at 54, you had gaps in your financial plan. Your wife wasn't properly taken care of. And it took that incident and thankfully a recovery to say, oh, I better get my stuff in order. Right. And unfortunately, that's the predominance of people in our country is it's not going to happen to me. I'm going to let it go. It's not that important. And then boom, it hits the fan. Yeah. And then it's like, well, you know what? That guy next to you, he didn't wake up and now his wife is screwed. His family is screwed. Okay. He didn't have a plan. He didn't have life insurance. He didn't have this, he didn't have that. And now she's going to have to lose the house and the kids can't go to college and she's going to be moving in with her mother. Yeah, Is that, is that what he wanted on his deathbed? Is that what he was hoping was going to happen to as his legacy? No, but so why aren't you addressing it? Why aren't you putting things in place? Well, you know, so, you know, this, this is the challenge in, the industry whether it's financial or insurance is just people you know i said it earlier apathy comes from lack of education lack of decision making you know the fear of uh, appearing foolish and then you know it's an economic thing i don't have the money oh yeah well let's look at your budget where's your money going i just i just had this conversation earlier like how many people are in my phone's on the floor so it doesn't ring on us um you know how many people are getting a new phone every 2 to 3 years you're paying cash, or are they having a payment plan? So Verizon, Apple, uh, Verizon, and Apple, and and uh, AT and T, and T-Mobile, and you know everybody's leasing the phones now. And every two to three years, they want you to replace your phone. So I can't get away from my hundred and twenty dollars a month Verizon bill. Yeah, yeah, it's unlimited this, unlimited that, but it's unlimited months of paying one hundred and twenty dollars. And then as soon as I'm done paying off my phone, oh, well, now you get a new phone. So I got three months of no payment and all of a sudden I start a new payment. And then I said this earlier is the car leasing trap. And people don't understand that. Like, okay, the, the leasing a car back in the day, our parents, you bought a car, rarely did you have financing and you kept that car till it drove in the ground and became a rust bucket. Right. Well, in the eighties, leasing became a very, viable option, people got to buy fancier cars for the same money supposedly, the same payment because it was all about the payment, but they don't realize like they're now stuck on this wheelhouse of constant payment. You're in you're you're indentured to the lease companies because every 3 years you got to get a new car. So when you tell me you don't have money for your health insurance, your life insurance, your disability and you got a $1000 lease payment, well ergo, let's start right there. Go buy a used cpo you know certified pre-owned mercedes instead and drive it for 10 years and have a fancy car but not have a thousand dollar lease payment that you can't get out of that you have to constantly right so you you got to change your patterns you got to change your habits you always get what you always gotten if you always do what you always done so if if you can't cry you can't afford it when you're spending money on things that are never going to stop being a payment
0: yeah what can what can you do differently so go ahead yeah no that's that's so true um Bruce, so many nuggets of um, wisdom here. And I wish we'd go on uh, longer, but we need to go ahead and wrap it up. This has been very fascinating. It's been educational for me. And I, um, uh, how would people reach out to you? I hope people do reach out to you because these are are important discussions to be having. So I have a podcast myself called Ask the Plan
1: Man. It's available on YouTube at planman.tv. And all the audio stations, so Spotify and the like. And I talk about all things insurance, finance, and more. I take all my years of experience in the financial space, the insurance space, and we break down no ads, no products. I'm I'm not giving advice, I'm giving education. So just like we're talking in general terms here about long-term care and disability and health insurance and auto and home, there are episodes on there where I'll speak with a guest and we'll dive deeper into it and pretty much give people an explanation on things and then hopefully give them enough that they can start to execute something for themselves or they could seek more professional help, including us. So go to planman.tv. If you have direct questions, I'm happy to take phone calls uh, and talk to anybody. It doesn't cost anything to talk with me. I'm always uh, open and available. It's 844-PLANMAN. And then you could email me at Bruce at asktheplanman, A-S-K, asktheplanman.com. And then just hit me in comments or like I'm everywhere in social media. You can't. (laughs) I got TikTok accounts. I got everything. So YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Bruce Weinstein, Bruce M. Weinstein, because there's a lot of Bruce Weinstein's out there. Uh, Bruce M. Weinstein. And then our company is Weinstein Wealth Insurance Solutions. So you can find us at pretty much anywhere. Go to Ask the Plan Man. That'll That'll find direct to us. Bruce,
0: thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com/guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag leaders and legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, Please go to alliesforme.com uh, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.